We're back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Famous Seafood. It is Friday, Friday, September 22nd, 2023. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. He's got his little tiny microphone in front of him. Almost looks like he's got a little bit of an apology press conference going on here. Shout out to our conversation we were having offline there. You got the brick behind you. Uh, your, your hair is all done up. You look like you're in a conciliatory mood right now. I look like uh, I'm, I'm ready for an actual atonement right now for uh, calling out my offensive coordinator saying coaching during my press conference and then maybe having my defensive coordinator have his house raided. Something something to that effect. I've been having microphone issues, laptop issues just this week. Just little just little things. Us it feels like it's strong. all building into a rage like you were uh, you were you were bouncing off the walls before we got going here. Yes, I forgot to fix all of my arrangements and then was trying to like get some prep in on the Colts, watch some tape a little bit. The one thing I didn't do is figure out my microphone setup. I just got blessed that my one of my three USB mics decided to work. So then it's a great feeling. As soon as as soon as technology, your technology issue resolves, it is worth all of the frustration. Once it's fixed, you're good to go. Yeah, it's a great feeling. It's uh, and that's that's interesting that you bring that up. By the way, your guy is really uh, going through it out there in the windy city. I didn't think his quote was as bad when you watched the video. And that's what he said. Everyone's like, "Of course he's walking it back," because he had like a second little media availability in the locker room after. But he was like, "Look, I get it. I understand you guys' jobs. I appreciate you guys' jobs in the media. I want to give you guys content." But just please post the full, which is like, okay, Justin, that's never going to happen. He's the media, the quote unquote ethereal media is never going to post your entire clip contextually every time there's going to be clickbait, all that stuff. But he's like, look, I'm not going to stop. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. Exactly. So it was hilarious because then he's like, I'm not going to stop giving you guys sound bites and clips and stuff, but. Just please post the context. It's like, well, they do post the whole video, Justin. It's just they want to make people click on it. It's 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 the world we live in today. So that was hysterical that he ended his like – it wasn't even a tirade or anything, but he ended his second media availability by being like, can you guys please post full, the, the full context, but I'm still going to keep talking to you guys anyway. So they're like, okay, thanks for – more content and we're just going to keep doing what we did anyway. Okay, cool. Yeah. We got like, uh, he's like doing the fake, like hug with Luke Getzey today to, you know, show everyone's the beef is squashed and everything. It's just a very 2023, uh, story there, but yeah, people, I feel like they really did him dirty with the way that they tweeted that out. Uh, but still not all good things. And then, yeah, you, you mentioned Alan Williams. I'm, uh, morbidly curious to see what's going on there because there's been some weird reporting on it but it was confirmed of course by the very venerable pat mcafee who i'm sure is very connected that the fbi did indeed raid his house and this was you know potentially a connection with him resigning as their defensive coordinator a lot of a lot of bad shit going on with the bears which annoys me as a person who wants and has wanted the bears to be good for a very long time and i just feel like it's maybe never going to happen i can i can do a whole soapbox on justin fields of course but um, number, my first thought on that situation, he basically says, like, I'm, I'm playing too robotic. I'm thinking too much. So often my thought is literally, and I'm not saying this even facetiously, like, drink a – take a shot before the game. Like, take a shot of whiskey. Take a shot of tequila. Loosen up a little bit. It's not that serious. Guys used to do it all the time. Even Marshawn, Marshawn Clinton Portis, Santana Moss, and – uh, maybe I, I can't remember. I don't, it might've been Sean Taylor. It was the Miami guys. It might've been Sean Taylor. Take a shot, man. Take a shot or two, like loosen up, live a little. You're a finely tuned machine. 
One shot's not going to kill you. Two shots isn't going to kill you. Have a little, have a little sip before. Go relax. Go play your game. And uh, the the takeaway from the comments were that to me that says that Getsy is like in his microphone in his helmet, telling him not just the play call, but then getting to the line and being like, read the safety. If the safety does this, do that. And then he's like, uh, 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 too much. That's that's what I think is uh, probably an issue there. And I think Orlovsky was talking about that, where I stole that from pretty much. But I agree with Dan. Shout out to Dan. Big big fan of ours. Yeah, he, he really is. Shout out to uh, when we were supposed to get him on the podcast five years ago, and he uh, said yes, and then uh, just never followed through. So shout out to you, Dan. You've really blown up since then. It's great to see. Definitely never going to get you now. So that's awesome. Uh, I guess that's enough on the Chicago Bears. We do have a uh, little bit of a game coming up. This weekend, it's the Baltimore Ravens. It is the Indianapolis Colts. Big rivalry game here. Obviously, everyone's still definitely feeling it. I've got my old uh, my old Baltimore Colts merch on here. No, it's not a huge rivalry, of course. No one really cares anymore, but that's okay. Uh, everyone should know the history. Uh, you know, I've, I've obviously done all my work on that. I would say go back and listen to it. I think they've since been scrubbed from the internet, those podcasts, so I need to find the audio files, remaster them. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know something that should be on your mind at the very least. Uh, they are coming to town this coming Sunday, 1 p.m., Baltimore, Maryland. We're looking at a little bit of a weather situation here yet again. You've been uh, tweeting a little bit about how the Ravens will just never play a dry game again. This is a, a thing that has gone back years and years and years. And at the very least, like it, if, for the very first like month or two, you're absolutely right. Like there is just there is no uh, no rest for the wicked in that regard. It is just always a, a downpour or at the very least a little bit of a little bit of moistness in the air. And it's just, it's tough, man. I'm, I'm not a big fan. It's cloudy. It's pouring the 2018 home opener, the bills. There's just been the 49ers game, torrential downpour in 20 uh, said 2019. There's been so many, and it just always happens to fall on Sunday. It's not like it just rains every day, all of September in the mid Atlantic, but Man, does it rain on Sundays when the Ravens play at home for whatever reason, the last five to seven years, I'd say. Yeah, it's something that I have also tracked as somebody who's gotten into golf over that course of time. It's just you, you track the weather a little bit more closely. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's going to be let me see if I can find some stuff on the weather here, because I do think we're looking at something maybe even a little bit more serious than it's a tropical, tropical storm, tropical depression, something of that. The one thing that I always say, and, and from everything I've read, all the studies that have been done, scoring is most impacted by wind, and specifically wind over about 15, 20 miles per hour. That impacts the ability to throw the ball. Teams know it. So once you hit that kind of threshold, right, a little over 10, 15 miles per hour, that's when totals basically start getting affected very much. So the over-under. Yeah, I've got heavy rain. I've got gusting, gusty winds from Justin Burke here. Rain at Ravens game, he puts in his tweet uh, with a question mark there. So, yeah, it looks like they're in for it. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to see what happens because, I don't know, it's an interesting game. It's a game with uh, a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball, uh, maybe deeper so for the Ravens, but the Colts may be dealing with a bigger one there with Anthony Richardson. But, of course, of course, we got to get some uh, some gambling corner out of the way. How about you, uh, Nick the Greek over there? Take us through uh, Nick Papa Giorgio, maybe. Take us through what you're, you're looking at here in this one. Channer, my inner Stu Finer. What we've got here so far, spread, and you can check me in uh, Jake's tally sites out. We'll probably start. Po I'll probably start posting mine pretty soon. Spread: Baltimore Ravens eight and a half point favorites on FanDuel, minus one hundred five. Colts minus one fifteen to cover that. So just a tiny little vig there from FanDuel. They think it'll be right around there. That means minus three seventy for the Ravens money line, plus two ninety five for the Colts. Over under is sitting at forty four and a half currently. 
in terms of some of the props, basically the expected totals from players. Uh, don't have any posted there yet, actually. So won't be able to do those on this episode, like I thought, as we were trying to run through a run sheet here. But um, we'll, we'll get to those on Twitter, things like that. So Ravens, eight and a half point favorites, minus 370. And that would leave somewhere to the effect of the Ravens winning like a 27-19-ish game, somewhere in there, 26 18, somewhere right around there, ultimately, in Vegas's mind. So um, with that, we'll get to our predictions later. But weird, weird little line here. The Ravens are going to be favored. We talked about this with Jack on the jumbo set. As things stand, the Ravens are favored until Christmas in every single game until they go travel to San Fran. And that is probably going to be because they're playing in San Fran. I think neutral site, that would be about even. And if San Fran was here, the Ravens would be probably one and a half point favorite, something like that. So again... We'll see. We'll get to our predictions later, but just wanted to touch on what the lines are. I think that gives us a nice flow of what Vegas thinks, what the commonality would be of, of how this game goes before we break it down a little deeper. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, I think they kind of nailed it off the bat. And I, you know, I've never been a huge gambler, but I have always listened to guess the lines with uh, Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal, and it's always like fun to kind of guess along with them. And this was kind of right in the zone of where I was thinking this one was going to be. I don't know if I necessarily agree. Maybe a little bit of a teaser for our predictions, which, like you said, we'll get to at the end. But uh, it sets up interestingly well, especially given the fact that, and maybe we can get into the the Colts offense here if you want to, they are potentially going to be without Anthony Richardson and starting Gardner Minshew in a rain game. That, they also have a couple offensive linemen bagged up, Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly. They're two kind of premier offensive linemen. Some of the best at each position. Quentin Nelson's had some weird, a weird progression over the last couple of years. Some probably some injuries that have really tampered him or uh, hampered him is what I meant to say, and brought him down a little bit from kind of that supernova that he was early as a rookie and second year player, taking the NFL by storm as a guard, which is is pretty rare to see from a rookie in the trenches, drafted so super high, obviously. So we'll monitor that. Um, I would guess those guys play. They're they're hog mollies. They know they're needed. Uh, I, I would think at least one of those guys plays. Did not practice yeah, as of today, Thursday, though. That's that's a little concerning. Definitely. Friday is really the day. If they don't practice on Friday, there's a very low likelihood. So so we'll look to that. So uh, we'll see, man. Tough. If those guys are out, tough, tough look for Gardner Minshew, the Ravens. I, I really just went back and watched. We'll get into the Colts like, personnel and stuff, but I just went and rewatched every pressure look that Mike McDonald presented Joe Burrow on passing down second and third and long and got into it on Twitter a little bit, but the Ravens defense so far, and really it was like this last year, but they've invested in the resources to do this on first down. They sit in a nickel, maybe a base defense, typically a nickel defense. They keep it a very basic, like your Madden run of the mill, two, four, five, Two man under cover four, like in Madden, you know those plays. Everybody defaults to those and audibles in and out of them and stuff. They sit in that. They have really, really sturdy. Uh, that, I think that's like the word I want to use to describe the Ravens' defensive line: sturdy warthogs. Like those guys. Michael Pierce is playing out of his mind right now in terms of just you cannot gain a fucking inch on me. You are not going to get any vertical displacement. I am taking the a gap out. Travis Jones gets a lot of one-on-ones because if you don't one-on-one Michael Pierce, he or if you don't combo Michael Pierce, he will be at the line of scrimmage, probably in the back in the, the backfield. So Jones, Washington, Matabike getting so many one-on-ones. Those guys are so athletic, especially Matabike and Jones. Washington, I'd say, is a little more of a technician, but um, those guys win. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are chilling. 
they will fit you up on first down. They will put the cat, the, put the, the safeties on the roof. They're going to sit back. They're basically going to say, you're not going to throw the ball over our heads. And we're going to invite you to throw the ball over the middle of the field. We're going to invite you to run the ball. If you can, that's great. Do that. Then once they get you into second or third and long, there's like 13 players on the Ravens. It's all of their defensive linemen, all of their outside linebackers, all of their safeties, all of their slot corners that can be on the line of scrimmage. It's like 13 or 14 players. They will rush typically, sometimes three, but usually four or five of them from different alignments. The guys will be aligned at different spots. We might see Owe and Ajabo in the A-gap mugged with Pierce and Matabike playing five-tech. We might see a more stock look. We might see anything. Anyone can come. Anyone can go. It is truly maddening. And they want the quarterback on the back end. They're going to rotate their safeties. They're going to roll coverage. If they give you a cover three look, it's going to be cover four, and you don't know which guy is going to be you know, the, the two deep quarters there. A corner could go peel it out. It could be cover four, could be cover two, whatever. They're basically going to say, we're going to show you a picture at the line of scrimmage, and then we're going to change the picture. And we have a million pictures to show you. So what does that do? Makes the quarterback hesitant. They either The quarterback either gets the ball out as soon as possible, which we saw Burrow do quite a bit, or they want to buy time. They're hesitant. They want to throw the ball away. They're unsure. So the Ravens basically say, we're going to confuse you. We're going to put the, the lid on. We're going to put safeties on the roof. And you're going to throw between 5 and 15 yards over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. In this game, what the Colts need to do, if they want to move the ball in the Ravens offense, Shane Steichen has a, it's the Eagles offense. It's 11. It's spread. It's some 12. Spread. Wide spread. Gardner Minshew, we've seen him before. We know Gardner Minshew. He's a gamer. He's a fun. He's a fun guy. He, we, we like Gardner Minshew. Anybody in our demographic generally likes Gardner Minshew. Doesn't have the strongest arm. Can't really go make you pay in the honey hole um, unless it's wide the hell open. If you want to beat the Ravens, you need you can't play their game. If you let Mike McDonald force you into his world, then you're going to lose. So the key for the Colts, I think, in this game is saying screw it. I'm going to push the ball down the middle of the field, deep, 25, 30, 40 yards plus, and I'm going to go test Geno Stone and Kyle Hamilton. I'm going to say, hey, I've seen, you know, Geno Stone had a pick last week. Sure. Geno Stone isn't the fastest guy in the world. Like if he falls steps, he, you can burn him. Kyle Hamilton hasn't really been tested deep at all in his career thus far, really at all so far. I'm not going to subscribe to Mike McDonald dictating what this what this game is going to look like. If you play their game, you will lose. They have their personnel, the way they spent capital, all that invested into throw the ball in front of our safeties and behind our linebackers, get rid of the ball quickly. We have a bunch of goons, Patrick Queen, Roquan Smith, Kyle Hamilton, outside linebackers like OA and Ajabo and a Clowney and Marlon Humphreys of the world who probably doesn't play in this one, but... I digress. They're going to go hunt you down. We're confident in our open field ability, so throw all the screens you want. Nickel and dime us down the field. We'll play red two in the red zone, red zone cover two, basically, and make you be right. They make a quarterback have to be right over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You have to make the right decision, get the ball out on time, under, diagnose their pre-snap you know, changes to post-snap pictures six times, seven times, eight times, and they're not going to let you run the ball explosively for the most part because they what they have going on with their defensive line. So to me, the key in this game is can the Colts push the ball downfield and test those safeties? God forbid those corners. I think Joe Burrow stunk on ice 
doing that. Ronald Darby's on Jamar Chase, like, and you can't get him the football downfield. And it, well, there were one-on-one instances of that. Joe Burrow, uh, T. Higgins made Ardarius Washington take a seat sitting down th- like three times. So um, Burrow just didn't test them over top, really. If he did, it was to the outside. Like, go let those guys prove – make – basically make Kyle Hamilton, make Geno Stone prove themselves. That's where I'm looking in this game. I think Steichen is a good offensive mind and will do so. Uh, that is my my kind of feeling of, of what is the key to that side of the football on Sunday. Yeah, a lot there. And I think it uh, – it- Almost, I think it takes a pretty surprising lack of ego for a guy in his mid-30s to kind of just say like, hey, players not plays in a lot of instances, and I'm just going to sit back and, you know, you're going to have to take what I give you. And if you don't, then you're subjecting yourself to uh, these really good players that we have. And you make a good point there on Stone, and I do think he has a lot of limitations that you mentioned. And it's almost like they're going to have to play into what the Ravens did against Anarumo last week, where he said, Hey, we're just going to play this a certain way and you're going to have to beat us a certain way. And we don't believe that you're going to be able to throw the ball from the pocket. Newsflash Lamar Jackson was, was able to, I think it's going to be more difficult for a Gardner Minshew to do that against the Ravens defense that has, in my opinion, better players than the Bengals and uh, potentially against an offensive line that's going to be a little bit banged up if they are even at full strength as far as their roster goes. So going to be an interesting matchup and a chess match in that regard especially considering that Eagles offense is just such a shit kicker. And like, it's so like predicated on physicality. And I think they will try to run the ball um, in the same manner and not exactly the same manner, but they're going to try to run the ball at the same clip, the same volume. Uh, if Mingshu is in the game, because like you look at some of the numbers and the splits are pretty heavily favored uh, towards the run, at least as far as like 2023 is concerned. And I mean, if Richardson is out there, then you know, that, uh, that will be an interesting matchup with him and Queen and Smith, but I just feel like those two guys are, like I've been saying, players that can match up with them. And then if it's Minshew, well, you got Zach Moss out there to worry about. There's no Jonathan Taylor. So nothing crazy there. But, yeah, it almost is kind of like when your hand is tied behind your back, or one of them at least, uh, if you're the Colts, why not say fuck it and throw a few up to Michael Pittman like you did in 2021, right? I, I kind of just feels like you, you got to go for broke a little bit if you want to get a big win on the road here uh, in week three. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. Certainly. And you're right. So the Ravens, I mean, the Ravens will give you light boxes, like I said. So if you can go run zone concepts and if Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly are out there or, hey, we just saw the Ravens backups on their offensive line, Mustafer and McCary do a, do a damn good job. If they can go get on Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, that will invite a seventh defender or an eighth defender into the box more so. That's a game that is always, you know, in every single football matchup, how many guys does it take to fit the run against this team? That is an alwaysable, evergreen battle that will always, always, always go down. In terms of the Colts receivers, we look at Michael Pittman, of course, someone that you and I have talked about so much. We love Michael Pittman. Um, Josh Downs, rookie at a UNC slot receiver type, who I think has 67 yards receiving so far this year. Uh, they have Kyler Granson, who's kind of a, a versatile H coming out of the backfield. Alec Pierce out wide, too. Um, Isaiah McKenzie of the Bills uh, from the past couple of years here has, has shimmied on over that way. So a lot of, a lot of potential. When you're looking at snaps for those guys on pass plays specifically, Michael Pittman, 83 of those. Alec Pierce, 79 of them. Josh Down, 66 of them. Kylan Granson, 61 of them. So that's really who's on the field. Pittman, Pierce, Downs, Granson, Zach Moss, probably going to be on the field a lot more now. Is my boy uh, Mo Alley getting any run? Mo Alley had 20, 
26. So he's gotten a, a fair amount of snaps in the run game. He's had 25, 26. So he's averaging about 25 snaps a game, which is a third of snaps, uh, somewhere between a third and a half of a game snap. So he's getting out there for sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, uh, like I said, you're, you're talking about a couple of handicapped units going up against one another, but uh, I do think that Jimmy's and the Joe's on the Raven side of things probably favors them a little bit, but I mean, shit, we saw Michael Pittman, like I said, in 2021, uh, mossing guys in that secondary. And that was uh, that was quite a shootout um, when it probably wasn't expected. So we'll see what happens. But like we said, with the weather, the wind and the rain going to be kicking up, it's going to be, it's going to be tough as a young offense uh, led by potentially Gardner Minshew uh, in 2023 to, uh, to probably keep pace. Certainly, certainly, certainly will. So other side of the ball, we ready to go there. You got any more notes on the defense? Let's switch it over. So Ravens have, and let me pull up their injury report. It was pretty extensive today. Had a couple guys not practicing on the offensive side of the ball as of Thursday. So it's Odell Beckham Jr. with an ankle, did not practice. Uh, Devin Duvernay, shoulder limited. Justice Hill, that came out. He has a foot. He did not practice. I think it's kind of trending toward him not even playing. Tyler Linderbaum, ankle, did not practice still. Ronnie Stanley, knee, did not practice still. So they're, they're you know, they're kind of going through it on the offensive side of the ball a little bit right now. They most certainly are. And, hey, the Bengals have a stout front. Trey, Trey Hendrickson, nothing to sneeze at. This Colts front with Gus Bradley, who schemes up, four-man rushes, twists, stunts. Lamar's nemesis. Lamar's nemesis, absolutely, has uh, beaten Lamar Jackson a couple of times with the Las Vegas Raiders, with the Chargers. So a familiar foe on the defensive side of the football in terms of who is calling plays. Uh, that cover three look, I haven't looked at the splits yet. I would wager Gus Bradley's not in cover three as much as he used to be, but maybe I'm uh, making a, an ass out of you and me by assuming. Haven't gotten to that split yet. So something I'll look up, post on Twitter later, something like that. So I'll correct myself if wrong. But DeForest Buckner, 108 snaps, the heart of that defense. Grover Stewart, uh, 88 snaps, big interior defensive lineman, plays a lot of down, B-gap, three-tech. Quiddy Pay, my number one rated edge coming out a couple years ago over guys like Jalen Phillips. I had Quiddy Pay as the, the highest rated edge rusher in that class. He has two sacks on the year, 101 snaps there. Dio at a Yingbo has been playing quite a bit, who was injured in the draft process has come back with a vengeance a little bit, been able to, to get some pressure. Taven Bryan, former first-round pick out of Florida. Samson Ebukam, playing a good bit, who's bounced around, been in that 49er system, been on that Rams team. Um, that pass rush, also EJ Speed, the linebacker, has generated a sack, I think, last week against the Texans. Uh, Shaq Leonard has only rushed once. So really, the lion's share of their snaps are Pay, Stewart, Ebukam, Buckner, Odiengbo, Brian and also Taekwon Lewis is there too. So uh, they have Jacob Martin from the Texans that comes off the edge. So that pass rush, I think, is way more formidable in terms of straight up talent on paper than the Bengals, a, a good bit for sure. And really curious to see how a Mustafer and a McCary and those guys can fare after playing lights out last week. I thought Morgan Moses, he's having like a Trent Williams renaissance. He looks crazy good, especially in the run game, but very stout front. EJ Speed is a linebacker that's super-duper exciting. I love watching him play. Shaq Leonard, Darius Leonard, Shaq Leonard is back and attacking. He, he's talking a lot of smack. He looks, looks solid from what I saw. Ultimately, looked comfortable, looked a little bit like himself. So uh, pretty tough front seven to go run the ball on, pretty tough front seven to go block on. I think they're going to have some wins. I'll have more than the Bengals did, and 
Lamar Jackson's going to have to make plays against those guys. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, I think it's great that uh, the offensive line, and as handicapped as they were, they held up against Hubbard and Hendrickson and Reeder, but we can't just forget about week one when you're going up against the Texans front seven, who does have a bunch of dudes on it and uh, has a bunch of juice and they didn't look as good. And they even had some of their guys in there. They had Linderbaum and Stanley in there in that game. So there is going to be an element, I think of continuing to have to coach around here. If you're Jody Alessandris and if you're a uh, Munkin uh, having to coach around this line a little bit and the conditions are not necessarily going to be optimal to be able to pass the ball in the way that you did in week two. So this isn't to say that I think the offense is going to take a major step back, but they're maybe potentially a little more handicapped than they were in what was a really difficult environment in Cincinnati in week two with a hostile crowd. And that is still a talented defense, no matter how you slice it. Uh, but I don't know this front seven at the very least is going to give them some trouble. And I think you're going to want to establish the run in the game like this. So it's something to watch. Certainly is in terms of the back end, Dallas flowers has led the way with 93 snaps at corner. Rodney what a name, Thomas, by the way, second. Dallas flowers. Any relation? D-A-L-L-I-S. Any relation? To Zay? No idea. Okay. No idea at all. He went to Pittsburgh State. Okay. This is his second year. Any relation to Brandon Flowers? Probably. I think that's the more accurate one. Ravens there. legend. Oh, always Ravens re- legend. Always rumored to sign here and never did. Never, never, never once. Rodney Thomas the second, Julian Blackman, Kenny Moore. Daryl Baker Jr. are leading the way for the Colts secondary. Pretty, pretty much been exactly those five guys, burgers and fries, as Tupac grabs my microphone and tries to yank it off. I just can't can't have enough microphone troubles at once. But with that said, their DBs have been burnt braid, to quote Wet Hot American Summer. Burnt braid. They have been toasted. They have not looked strong. Uh, Julian Blackman and Kenny Moore, you know, tackling machines kind of back there. I think they've had some blown coverages. I think they're they're easy to attack. So uh, with that, again, I'll check the splits, but I'm, I'm anticipating a tough – I think this is a sneaky Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar day. What are you going to look at if Noah Del Beckham, Mark Andrews, who was rumbling, fumbling, looked a little rusty, but also looked physical, had that, that big run after the catch kind of deal, dragging a bunch of defenders and stuff. In that cover three defense, you're going to pay him a ton of attention with your linebackers. So that's going to open up. We've seen a ton of in-breaking routes from number one receivers, meaning like furthest to the boundary, the number one guy uh, from Bateman, from Odell, a little bit from Flowers, not a ton, but look into those guys. Can you go hit some digs and some dagger concepts, things like that, some smash concepts with some in-breakers, things like that coming over the middle of the field there. Uh, And then obviously, I mean, Zay Flowers, man, at this point, make somebody stop the kid deep, make somebody make a play on him. Go throw it up. Go test those guys. So this might be a little bit more of a maybe Ricard game. I I think maybe getting him in there a good bit in pass pro. Go help out against those nasty outside linebackers, nasty rushers to Forrest Buckner, you know, uh, an absolute force inside. So it could see a little bit of uh, of the the 12 or 21, whatever you want to chart it as, personnel. Um, Spread the field out a good bit. Get the ball out in space. Make them work sideline to sideline. Don't let that pass rush tee off. And then I want to see – I want to see some of those dagger kind of concepts, like I mentioned. Let's see if you know they take away Mark Andrews, leave a void in the middle of the field. You can go hit a Bateman or an Aguilar or Flowers working into that that deep middle, that intermediate 15 to 20-yard area on those 15, 16-yard digs, things like that. Um, in terms of running the ball, I mean, hey, war of attrition. Todd Munkin, we've seen so far, has retained a good bit of Roman's power run game. We saw Harbaugh in the locker room after talking about his dad's favorite play, power. The all-time best play in football, power. You won the game with power. Uh, and on that, John seems to really have buy-in. Like, he, it's the same stuff. Who's got it better than us? 
They, there's some sort of sword type deal. I don't know if you saw that, Jake. They have some sword that you, he gave to the offensive lineman. You know, you know, I was all over that. That was, yeah, yeah. So Har- Harbaugh's buy-in seems strong in the locker room, just in the limited stuff we've seen. But it's not even just in the locker. I mean, yard. yeah, it's like it's after the game. I mean, when they win and they cut to him on the sideline, and he's like I said on Twitter, jacked to the tits, and he's like throwing Justice Hill and Keith Williams into the ground, and like you know basically just like slapping guys on the shoulders like he was uh he was as fired up as we've seen him for a win I think he uh really wanted it after that not only that playoff loss but the Bengals have dominated this division the last couple years and uh yeah that that was a big deal and I think he's he's gonna be that's where I'm maybe a little concerned here it feels like John gets really fired up for games like that and then it's always 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 after those games you have a sleepy little game at home at 1 p.m versus a team that you should beat uh and I don't know. It just the emotional drop off is something to monitor here. Watch this space. That's all I'm saying. Certainly. And I think this Colts team, I think Shane Steichen, I think you can quickly start telling who's who's a head coach and who's not when those guys get hired, who ran a good summer and who didn't. And I think Steichen did. Yeah. I think this Colts team is well prepared. I think they can cover a lot this year. Uh, will be in games, maybe able to finish some games off. I think D'Amico Ryan's is in that same category. I think Steichen and Ryan's are two good coaches. I think we're going to see both of those teams be competitive as hell this year. Um, kind of liking them maybe to like a Ron Rivera's Washington team like two years ago, something the seven and nine fighting teams. They have good pass rush. They want to run the ball down your throat a little bit. Um, Steichen a little different with his offense versus, you know, some defensive guys. But I digress. Gus Bradley is a pro. Gus Bradley takes a 30th ranked defense to a 15th or 10th ranked defense like nobody's business. So, Jim, shout out Jim Bob Cooter as well. We didn't get to talk about the boy. I like this Cooter. Big old Jimbo there. But uh, on this side of the ball, I mean, the, the Ravens signed. Great ass. Kenyon Drake is signed. Melvin Gordon's probably going to get touches in this game. Justice Hill, I'm going to guess, is out. Maybe I'm wrong. Gus Edwards, I mean, I'm I'm ringing the alarm. I'm I'm firing off. I, I'm going to, I guess maybe we can transition. We If we wanted to do our Black Eyed Susan spicy take of the week here. Sure. My spicy take of the week presented by Black Eyed Susan, code EXIT52, code that EXIT. That's correct. Yep, 10% off any purchase. 10% off there. I'm ringing the alarm. The Ravens need to like trade for John. This is like play the Colts and then trade for Jonathan Taylor or something like that. I'm not wow. feeling good. I'm not feeling good about the state of the Ravens running back room. We've seen this happen each of the last few years. And hey, Justice Hill has a toe. He might be questionable. That's fine. Maybe he comes back. He's fine. Suddenly, you're a Gus Edwards away from having Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake and a UDFA in Owen uh, Wright and maybe a Keaton Mitchell. And then suddenly, one of those guys goes down. I'm ringing the alarm. I would have liked to see the Ravens trade that pick swap for Cam Akers. I would have liked to get another back that's a little younger. Make all the stupid fucking fantasy football jokes you want about Cam Akers. He knows what he's doing on zone concepts. He's a good and pass pro. He's a fine receiver. He's a fine average NFL younger running back. Like he's he's stock in a good way, basic in a good way. But I love what I saw out of Gus Edwards. He looked so textbook sharp. I posted a clip on the YouTube Spenny Spotlight of Edwards just punching a 17 yard run. Looked so good. His vision looked so strong. He hasn't even forced really missed tackles or anything. He's just doing his fucking job. If he goes down, you're in a weird spot again. Time after time after time after time after time. And hey, running backs, running back. Say all the running back dialogue you want, whatever. Go get me a running back. 
go find one. Maybe it doesn't have to be Taylor. Who knows what's going on with Zany Jim Irsay and oh, we want Jalen Waddle and a first one, whatever the fuck's going on with that. Sure, but I'm just that something you might be interested in. I'm I'm pulling the panic button early and often on the running back room already. Dobbins is down. Edwards had a horrific knee injury that some, it was rumored like some inside the Ravens organization thought he might not be playing football again. He's okay for now. We saw the safety room. They had to go bring in uh, Deron Harmon. Now you've got Kenyon Drake and Melvin Gordon and, and whatever, but it's like, geez, man, if they could just have an explosive running back for like 13 games that doesn't end up with a season-ending injury or something, this offense I think would be that's that's really the cherry on top. And, and if you want to have running back dialogue or uh, discourse is the word I'm looking for, you can't argue that a good running back is a cherry on top of a good offense that can make a good offense great in many cases. So pulling the alarm there. Totally like where your head's at. Definitely need to find a healthier medium probably because you probably do have to pay him if you make that trade. And I'm just not sure that they're prepared for it uh, or want to do it. So yeah, I, I definitely uh, think that's something to monitor. Keep an eye out on running backs who may be available because you you are right and I say this about every position I've been saying it about people who want to trade Devin Duvernay you're one or two injuries away from all of a sudden being back where you've been with this position in the past and uh, that is obviously not going to be a good thing and uh running back people want to talk about running backs don't matter I already kind of don't agree with that and then I mean when you're getting down to uh some of the names that they're getting down to behind Edwards and behind Hill then you got a problem so yeah I think uh, a move they're, they're dangerously close to one being made because Melvin Gordon in this rain game and the fumbling issues he's had, let me tell you something. If John Harbaugh's jacked to the tits, then uh, he, he might be going back to some old tendencies of his and the the old doghouse might be getting dusted off and brought out. And uh, Melvin Gordon, this this John Harbaugh fascination with Melvin Gordon because he was firebombing the Big Ten in 2015, I'm just not so sure about it. You're muted. The Ravens just love Melvin Gordon. They've been in on him for years. I'm not. It's a John I'm thing. Sure. I, I said this on film study uh, like two nights ago. It's a John. John Harbaugh loves him. I, I just know it. I can sense it. He watched him, you know, thrash Michigan or whatever. They've, I mean, they've played him. He's played well against the Ravens, too. So sure. That I feel like factors in. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, the time to sign him maybe was like four years ago. And now here we are. They like their guys. They get their guys. They got Clowney finally. <laughs> they, uh, they, do. they got Marcus Des Peters. Bryant. Yeah, Dez, of course. That, yeah, this might be trending more Dez than it is uh, Marcus Peters. And Gordon, like, uh, yeah, the fumbling's crazy. He's he's more towards average, like an average NFL running veteran running back than he isn't. Like, well, he's, he's fun to fuck around. He fum he does fumble at an astronomical rate. So let's call our shot here. Melvin Melvin Gordon fumbles in like a on a wet field, and that's why the Colts stay in this game. Um, we'll we'll call our shot there. I think as a podcast, I, I think we're putting that into the ethos to get ahead of it. And hopefully it doesn't happen. But in this game, man, I mean, to, to summarize the offense, I guess, just keep Lamar Jackson clean. You can put up points and, and put pressure on the Colts with Gardner Minshew to come into your house, which will be loud and rocking and go win. Okay. I like it. So uh, I guess that is our breakdown. And we can uh, we can have that be sponsored by Fred Thrill 10% off. Uh, fedthrill.com go ahead and get yourself some sunnies it's still tailgating season still uh, sunny season 
Uh, the sun's creeping down a little bit earlier and earlier every the week. The winter sun is just as bad as the summer sun. Well, that's true, especially when there's snow. And if my guy Tony Pan, who uh, there's nothing that Tony loves doing than uh, more than predicting the snow train, if it finally, after the last 10 years of him predicting a big-time snow train comes through, then the, uh, the, the sun hitting off that snow and that ice after it's been sitting there for a couple days, you need sunglasses for that. So if we're, if we're getting close to a season in which that's going to be the case, you need to be stocked up. So hit up Fed Thrill, Codex 52. Check them out. They got some nice sunnies for sure. So again, Ravens eight and a half point favorites at home. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead. I'll go with my prediction first. The numbers aren't going to math in my head probably right. And again, I just kind of pick stupid numbers, score gummy type numbers. I'm going to go like Ravens 22. I think we kind of maybe saw this game in Indy last time they last time they played, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Ravens like 22. Colts 17. That'll be my prediction. A five point win. I could see a turnover or something happening. My reason behind this is that I think, again, Steichen, my, my thing this year, I'm really just trying to stick on head coaches and quarterbacks. Minshew's in a pretty friendly offense. He's used to if it's Minshew. I, I, I'm wagering to say it is. They don't really need to subject Richardson to playing in a question mark place. I don't think uh, with everything that's happened with Tua. And DeMar Hamlin and things like that. I, I just don't think you're in a position to go try to quarterback out there if he hasn't practiced, uh, especially a rookie. So that would be pretty negligent. I don't anticipate that happening. I think Steichen knows what the fuck he's doing. So to me, that's a more disciplined team. It's a team that's more capable of playing situational football, can keep it close. Uh, a stupid turnover offensively, a fumble, something weird happens. Um, you know, Lamar, for as well as he did play last week, did fumble and on that got called back. He did do some wacky things week one, said he was rusty. Could maybe see that again. The Ravens play weird games at home in the Lamar Jackson era, really, like the last like three years. They just play weird games at home, especially offensively, so often. So uh, thinking that, you know, maybe Steichen can dial up a little something, something, score a touchdown or two, a field goal or two. And I think the Ravens aren't, they're getting away from that model of like blow the shit out of teams, run the ball on them. It's like control the game going into two and through the fourth quarter. Win on offense, not on defense. Take the stress off your defense. So I think we see the Ravens take control at some point, maybe in the third quarter or so, and then kind of step on the neck in the fourth quarter. And I think that's going to be kind of a theme this season is my my maybe early overreaction. The Ravens start to win games offensively and look to put games away with like non-scoring drives to close out games, things like that, which they have done throughout the last few years in Roman's offense and everything. But I think it's a little more of like a, balanced offensive attack that allows them to do that and that's where they right the wrongs from last year losing at the end of the fourth quarter in so many games yeah it's funny you said 22 17 because before you even said that i had 23 to 18 in mind another little bit of a weird score there but yeah i'm expecting a good amount of field goals i think jt is going to make his not even sure who's kicking for the colts right now maybe he has a couple misses who knows it's going to be like we said weird weather uh so going to need to have a reliable kicking game and i think it's going to be a lot Matt gay from the rams who low-key has been one of the better kickers but he is good started to fall off and bounced around and that that thing that happens like kickers will be good for two or three years like really good and then as soon as they get a contract they like kind of aren't they, that great they anymore. just get complacent you know they stop practicing their kicking um so yeah uh 23 to 18 is my score we've both got them covering i think it's going to be a kind of a weird game ravens kind of pull one out late it's going to be a little bit closer than some people are expecting but that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes this is still a little bit of a handicap team injuries wise i don't want to be a total prisoner of the moment last week even though that win was freaking awesome uh and yeah i i got them going to three and oh all things uh all things considered even after saying all that so pretty big deal 
Certainly is. Two divisional games coming right down the pipe after both on the road. Yep. Then travel to London, then home for the Detroit Lions, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, nice. This is a this is a nice to have it. Very nice to have it win. Um, don't let this slip away in the fourth quarter, and you're sitting pretty feeling good and can really buckle down. You're at home for prep of the Steelers, who are close. It's close travel. It's not long travel. So have a feel-good win where you can really buckle down and go play another divisional game before you have to go on the road. So getting a win here is a huge deal. Um, and hey, maybe the Ravens do get to Gardner Minshew. The Colts offensive linemen are out and the pressure looks he can't deal with. Blow the Colts out. That would be fine and dandy. Everybody would love an easy Sunday. I think that would be outstanding too. But just think Steichen maybe uh, can get this team to play decently well and move the ball a little bit against the Ravens defense, which has been tough so far. So with that, I think we can uh, get the hell out of here. Absolutely. Thank you guys, as always, for listening to today's preview Friday episode. Uh, Brian had to bow out this week. He's got some softball or some kickball, something going on. They talked about it on the other pod, I think. So if you want to, you want more, he's got some balls somewhere. He got some, he's got some balls for sure. Uh, so check out the, yeah, check out actually uh, the flagship pod that released uh, yesterday as you're listening to this. Uh, plenty of good Orioles talking there. And then uh, they, they did a starting five good vibes guys draft, which I, you know, I was ashamed to miss, but I've been, Doing a lot of podcasts this week, let's just say that. So I, I had uh, had to cut one out of the uh, cut one out of the rota. Uh, follow us on social media. You can follow the show at Exit Fifty Two Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I am at Jake Luke. That is L O U Q U E. Spencer is at Ravens Four Dummies. That is the number four. Uh, and we're just going to keep this train rolling. Review on Sunday after the game. Jumbo set on Wednesday. Another uh, preview uh, of the coming game that coming Friday. So we're just like I said, keeping the ball rolling here. Thank you guys for hanging with us, and we will talk to you again. Very soon. See ya. Arrivederci.